Hello and welcome to Vet Club. Um, today is going to be, I don't even know what show this type this will be. We're going to make it Vet Talk. Yeah. It'll be a Vet Talk. Um, I'm super excited to welcome a brand new guest to the show, uh, Kia Williams. Yes. And Kia, this show was your idea. Um, and I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. Um, it's a little bit different than what we normally do. So maybe... Maybe you can start. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. So um, yeah, who you are, what you're doing. My name's Kia Williams. I am from Virginia. I am a second year veterinary student. Uh, mixed animal track for sure. Love the cows. Um, and right now, I know it's a little early, but looking at ethereal or emergency specialty right now. Cool. Very cool. Yep. But you reached out. Mm -hmm. um, one, we've talked about the podcast before, but you reached out specifically because you wanted to talk about studying. Yeah, so I know I struggled a lot my first year with kind of developing a concept to help, like, help me study. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, being as vulnerable as I was as a first year, you're going to everyone asking, like, what yeah. worked for you? What worked for you? Yeah. Um, so you're then, talking to classmates, you mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. classmates. Mm -hmm. um, and then realizing that what they did doesn't work. For they you. don't know either. <laughs> yeah. So um, definitely just, you know, we talked a little bit over orientation yeah. about yeah. Uh, some research that you've done regarding yeah. studying. And I wanted to kind of pick yeah. your brain a little bit. Yeah. Too. So to clarify, I haven't performed specific studies, um, but I can't remember if I've talked about this on the show before, but I am doing a part-time master's in education psychology. And so I'm reading about other people and the research they have done. And, and it turns out there's a lot out there on how we learn and what works and what doesn't. And um, it's, it's funny because we talk about this in my ed psych classes that I'm taking um, pretty commonly about how if like you ask the average student, wherever they are in their training, they're seven years old, they're 17 years old, they're 70 years old. Um, has anybody ever taught you how to study? And almost invariably people say no. Right. And um, and that's really sad because, you know, you go to school for all these years with the expectation of learning and we don't teach people how to learn. We don't teach people what works. And yet there's a lot of science out there that says we know what works on average, you know, typical right. things. There's always little adjustments, but in general, we know what works and what doesn't. And, and it depends on what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to accomplish. And again, there's nuance. I don't mean to say like, ah, there's a silver bullet and we've been keeping it secret. Um, you know, the, the secret is it's hard work, yeah. but how you study, it's not about how much time you spend, but it's about what you're doing. And it's just really, it's really frustrating. Cause the other thing that I, I learned in my education psychology is not just, it's how do we learn and therefore, you know, how do we teach better? And it's amazing how many things that I've learned as an instructor, you know, how do I make my teaching better via trial and error? Like I've come to like, yeah, this, I, this works so much better. And I'm like, yeah, I figured it out. And it's there's like, only like 30 years ago, somebody did a study. It was like, yeah, we've known Bobby, like, duh. <laughs> if I had known all of this. So I, we just, um, in veterinary medicine in particular, but this is true in lots of fields. Um, we don't have professional teachers. We have professional veterinarians who teach. Um, there's a few professional teachers, but most people don't have training in education, but our students also don't have training in being a student. Yeah. You know, I, I went through the same thing when I was in vet school. Nobody taught me how to study. And I got through undergrad because comparatively undergrad was really easy right. <laughs> compared to vet school, partly because of the volume you have to learn. And then also it's all cumulative now. And, you know, so undergrad you get through and you can do really well and be successful. And then you get to vet school and it's like, okay, yeah. Remember what you used to learn um, in a semester? You're going to learn all that in a week now. And, you know, and it's a lot. And so you now, the, the old study habits that worked before 
can't work anymore because they're not efficient um, and they're not necessarily accomplishing the long-term goals that we want. So you can tell, you, you know, I get like whew, really animated about this. It's very <laughs> exciting, somewhat disappointing. Like this has been known for so long. Why is it a secret? Um, so I try to share with as many people as I can. So then you reached out and said, all right, if you, if you know better ways to study, help me. So why don't we start by you sharing like what you've been doing? So for the start of this year, um, I've actually reached out to a vet student that graduated two years ago, Julia Zercher, if she Mm -hmm. listens to this, you're awesome. Um, (laughs) But you know, the first thing I wanted to understand is how do I um, organize my notes? Okay, I'm thinking ahead, second Mm -hmm. year, summer, fourth year, if Mm -hmm. you ask me a question, I want to be able to look at look it real back fast. and find it. Okay. The second priority was um, how can I not focus on time of studying, mm-hmm. but more so efficiency. Yeah. And so one thing I realized is repetition and flashcards, like making okay. sure that I'm taking increments of 15 minutes to whatever, 15 or 30 minutes to kind of go through my Quizlet cards. Okay. Just every day, just okay. so I can build that knowledge kind of, you know, connect pieces. Yep. Um, in class, I utilize OneNote. Um, okay. So as the teacher is going, yes, there's some things that I type verbatim on mm-hmm. the, on the um, OneNote. However, a lot of the professors tend to do side comments. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to write that down because okay. this is super important. So more so taking that information during lecture, going home, making my flashcards mm-hmm. kind of reinforcing what I learned okay. and then maybe giving myself 24 hours, you know, uh-huh. lecture on Wednesday, maybe go Tuesday and review something from like, I don't know, like the day before uh-huh. and basically try to forget it, but quiz myself. I don't know if that makes sense. I think what you mean, like I'm not, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Like, did I really remember this? Correct. Yeah. So I like that first year I, I like wrote that. out, everything on a whiteboard okay and realize like that from memory no okay um and realize that it only is short term because yeah just like the whiteboard t- boom you erase it just the <laughs> same thing happened in your brain come exam time i'm like i don't remember oh, any of that mm-hmm. yeah so i wanted to yeah. establish something now yeah. so that way work better it can stick in that memory it might be filed away yeah but come clinics you can ask me a question yep. and i know where to find it Yes. So what you're talking about is the difference between short-term memory and long-term memory. And you want, you want to put these things in long-term memory. Right. Yes, that is right. That is the right (laughs) approach. So first off, yes. And, and so I really like that your attitude toward this is not, I want to learn this so that I can pass the exam. I mean, obviously that's important. You want to do that, but you're saying, no, I want to know this in a year, in two years, in 10 years, in 15 years, you want to put it in long-term memory. And that is where, um, I think a lot of people, again, because all you, when you study, it's by trial and error. Correct. And so the, what has been working for people for so long is they're putting it in short-term memory, but they're not actually strengthening the connections in long-term memory so that you memorize it for the exam. You pass the exam, you do great in undergrad. And then if you, if I ask you like a question, like we could, I could go back and probably pull up um, the notes from some class you took in sophomore year of undergrad. I could just pick a random class and I could probably attest you aced. And I could probably ask you those questions. And my guess is you wouldn't get most of that right. Correct. There's a little bit. Yeah. And you could do the same thing to me. I mean, I'm trying to think what classes did I take in undergrad, yeah, you know? I took like religion. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I took, you know, I, I know I took an art history class oh, yeah. that I remember yeah. approximately 0.1% of. 
And that's general. I probably don't even remember that much. I remember sitting in a classroom and looking at a slideshow. That's the extent. That's what I remember that <laughs> class. I'm been, and it was, it was, there were some paintings and there were some sculptures, but if you put any of the things that were like emphasized in that class, I wouldn't remember any of them. Right. Those went into short-term memory. And, um, but what we need to do is move things from short-term memory into long-term memory, but then we also need to strengthen the connections yes. so that when I need to call it back, I can get to it quicker. Right. And that, the repetition that you mentioned is important for that, but, but how we repeat the information is also important. So there were some things that you were doing that I think are helping and some things that are helping with short-term, but could be tweaked in small ways okay. to help them for long-term. So when you mentioned, um, well, let me, let me back up. So the first time you get introduced to a topic typically is in class, right? Correct. Okay. One thing we can do is, is what you can do. And it, it's hard because at the end of the day, you, you're limited amount of time. But if you have an opportunity to just skim through the notes before, mm -hmm. that's called priming. And you're just so like, there's some, even if you don't understand it, there's some familiarity there. And so when um, the professor then talks about it in class, you'll be like, oh, okay. I kind of remember reading about that. That's that, that's your first study turn right there. Okay. Now in class is an actual practice opportunity to learn something because you're, you're hearing it already for the second time. So even if it doesn't make sense the first time, that's a, if you have time for that, that's cool. It's not the most important thing. Um, but that's kind of a priming thing. If you can review those things first, and then when you get to class, you're like, okay, I'm already kind of ready. I know what's going to be here. I can anticipate. And that can sometimes help your brain um, be ready for that information. You're already, it's, again, it's called priming. That's the, um, the, the technical term for it in the education psych literature. I'm going to drop a bunch of these, okay. these terms for you. So... So that's one little thing. If you have time, you can do not the most important thing. Now, taking notes during class is a tricky thing. Yes. It's a tricky thing. Uh, I actually don't think science has figured this one out yet. Okay. So there are pros to this, right? Because if you're, you know, you're writing things down, it's an active process. It's not super active. It's more active than just sitting and listening. However, it can also be distracting. Yes. Right. So if you are writing things down, but missing the next thing that is said, that may be problematic. Now, your classes, your professors are providing you with some type of notes, right? The slides and that kind of thing. Do you feel like there is a lot more information that is said that isn't represented on the slides that you need for the exams or like what, what is your goal when you're taking the notes? So it, like you mentioned, it's definitely multitasking for sure. Yeah. You need to make sure that your listening skills are on and your typing skills are on at yeah. the same time. Um, I will say for me personally, I am able to look at those slides, but I want to be completely honest. Sometimes it's not simplified enough sure. for me. And so okay. when they come across that bullet point, right. you know, what the bullet point says versus what they say, I'm like, oh, I understand okay. what you're saying, not that bullet okay. point though. Okay, good. Yeah. So that that means that those notes are useful, right? If you're adding notes to a bullet point on the slide, when you look at the bullet point, that doesn't clarify it. You're adding enough to, so where you can say, ah, I know what they're saying now. Yes. Then that, that makes sense to me to okay. add that. Um, but I don't, when you say sometimes you write verbatim, that makes me a little nervous. Okay. Um, unless what you're saying is, wow, I think the way they said that really resonated with me and I want to capture that in the same way. Occasionally that makes sense. But I don't want you to feel like you have to type down every word that somebody says, because hopefully the notes they've provided is a form of scaffolding. That's another fancy word. Basically they're providing the outline and you just have to fill in, you know, the, the other parts. 
Um, so that's good. That's good. Um, I don't want you to just be writing notes for the sake of writing oh, notes. Yeah. It should only be, okay, what I'm seeing. And, and the other thing that might help you with is if you're going through the slides the day in advance, mm -hmm. you can already say, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. So you can start to even note, like, this is an area that doesn't make sense to me. I need to pay attention and maybe take extra notes here. Um, and then the rest of it, as long as it makes sense with what I was already thinking, I don't have to do a whole lot. And I can I can absorb this a little bit better. Right. So that's all, that's all great. So you're getting this information. Now, when it comes to actually learning, it turns out the best way to learn something is to have to do something yourself. And, and I don't mean physically do something. That can be a mental process. But that means um, if you read something, mm -hmm. that you're not going to remember that as well as if you write something. Now, if you're writing something, like copying it down from somewhere else, that's not going to be very good either. If you are creating your own content, you're going to remember that the best. So um, when it comes to, so there's there's a few different ways that you can do this. There's the what's called the generative effect. So if I give you a list of random numbers, okay, just give you a list of random numbers and say, read these numbers and try to memorize them. We know that uh, for about 10 to 15 seconds, you can, re you can remember those. Uh, as long as I don't give you more than about seven or so, if I give you more than seven different things, you're not gonna remember more than seven. Um, and you can remember them for 10 to 15 seconds, but these are meaningless numbers, right? So 10 minutes from now, they're gone. Probably a lot, it's not even 10 minutes. <laughs> Two minutes from now, they're gone. Yeah. If I tell you to create something, even if it's gibberish, like, okay, make up a gibberish, make up words, your own words, whatever, make something up and you make that up yourself. Um, and then I ask you 10 minutes later, what did you make up? You're going to, you're going to remember that better than if I gave you a list of gibberish words. Okay. So there is, and there, there's studies showing those types of things saying, if you had to create something, even if there's not a lot of meaning now, the best is if you have to create something and there's meaning to it. Um, and so if I give you a list of random numbers, but then you assign some sort of meaning, you're like, oh, that was my number when I played this sport, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was, um, you know, that was my dad's when I was growing up. He always talked about this, or this was Michael Jordan's number or whatever. You assign some meaning to those numbers that is meaningful to you. doesn't have to be meaningful to anyone else, but you assign meaning, you're going to remember those longer. So you're making those connect. Now there's a connection in your long-term memory. Okay. So that number is now connected to, so instead of remembering three, 27, you know, blah, 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 you're remembering high school softball, you're remembering, you know, uh, college, you're, you're remembering other things. You're like, that's my birthday. That's it. Like whatever it happens to be, you're remembering those things. Right. Those are easier to call up that list than it is to just re remember random numbers. Okay. Right? So Which that makes sense. Yeah, go ahead. Question. So as far, okay. Uh, we talked about not writing things down, copying off the slide and placing it on a word document or a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. real life terms. Yeah. We're going through some hefty, hefty yep. anesthesia drugs right now. Yep. And a lot of the slides are the drugs, yep. the duration, the onset. Yes. So for those, I do copy. Okay. However, is there a way to kind of use that relationship that you just mentioned in a setting as potentially using drugs like potentially okay so you can create mnemonic devices that's ah, one thing yes. okay yeah. but even better so when you're recopying instead of just copying your notes you said you were making like flashcards. yeah on quiz what card. if instead of just copying your notes you wrote questions yes some of okay. my some of my note cards are question based and uh -huh. some of them are statement based right so so the question's better than the statement 
So if you were to write a question that was like, which anesthetic drug um, has, uh, you know, whatever property you want, you know, we'll reduce the MAC by blah, blah, I don't know, make something, whatever you learned in class, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or which one is contraindicated in this species or um, something like that. And then the back is the answer, right? Right. So it's it's still quick and easy. But so you're, you're writing that. But then when you go back through it later, you're looking at that, you're having to ask, you're now, when you say, oh, which one was that? You're having to call back into your long-term memory. Oh. And then the more you do that, the more you strengthen that connection. Okay. okay. So that's better than a mnemonic device even. Mnemonic devices are cool for remembering things. They are helpful. Right. Um, but the best thing is to have it, um, is you have to challenge yourself. So this is one of the things I do when I'm teaching is rather than me talk is, you know, when I'm lecturing, it's hard to get around, but in like small group settings on clinics, I'm Mm -hmm. like, you guys explain to me what you think, even if it's not right yet, just the process of trying to come up with that. So like when you were copying things on the whiteboard, that's not going to help. But if you said, okay, I'm going to put my notebook away and now I'm going to write down everything I can. I'm going to, I'm going to draw the heart and I'm going to describe the cardiac cycle and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to write the parts of the ECG so that I can interpret EC. You're going to do all that from memory. Now, when you do that, you're probably going to get some things wrong. You're going to miss them. You're going to forget some stuff. But the process of doing that, and then at the end, you're like, okay, that's all I got. Then you go check your notes and then you fill in what you missed. And then three days later, do it again, try again. And you'll get a little bit further and you'll remember a little bit more because you had to generate it yourself. You had to, so that's called retrieval practice. Okay, so retrieval is retrieve it from your long-term memory. Bring it forward into your working memory, what I'm using right this moment. And the more times I do that, mm-hmm. the better, the stronger those connections make and the quicker I can, I can pull that out next time. That is one of the reasons this, it also gets called, so it's a retrieval practice. It's also called the testing effect, which is um, maybe a little bit of an intimidating name, but it means that when you take a test, that's actually a great opportunity to learn. That's not why we give tests. We give tests because we're trying to see what, what do you not know? But actually there are a number of studies that show that taking a test improves long-term memory, the taking of that, because you had to try to get the answer. And taking a test is better than, uh, and a closed book test is better than an open book test, right? right? Like if my goal is for you to get the best grade, um, then I should give you an open book test. If my goal is for you to remember as much of this material for as long as possible, I want to give you a closed book test because even if you don't perform as well on the test, Mm -hmm. that's going to help you next year, which is what I care about, right? Right, right. I care about that you can treat the patients later. And so um, the closed book test, while harder in the moment are better for your long-term memory. Um, you know, there's really interesting studies on, okay, if I give you a paragraph, right, you have to read this paragraph and you're going to read it once. Okay. okay? Just one time. And then I'm going to ask you after you read it one time and we've got a, you've got another friend over here. So picture another friend of yours who they are reading it. They get to read it seven times. In fact, they have to read it seven times. You're going to read it once. After you read it once, we're going to take it away and you're going to write down as much as you can remember from that paragraph. Okay. You're going to write down as much as you can. What, what was that paragraph about? Write it all down. And then your friend is going to read it seven times. And then 30 minutes later, you guys are going to take a test and your friend who got to read it seven times is going to perform better on that test. But a week from now, we're going to give you the same test and you're going to perform better than your friend who read it seven times because you had to write what you thought okay, what do you remember was this about? So one time you did that one time you read it once and then you wrote about it once your friend read about it seven times. So immediately afterwards, this is what cramming is. Your friend crammed for the exam. Okay. So they read it seven times. I'm just read it, read it, read it. And for a very short period of time, that will work. 
Okay. Okay. So if you're getting, you have the exam tomorrow and you've got a lot of material, you got to cram. You got to cram. But it isn't going to stay in your long-term memory. Right. Okay. And so early on in the semester and early before the exams, work on the, the retrieval practice, right? Challenge yourself. Now it takes longer. It's harder. It's more mental energy, but it's going to last longer. And there's multiple studies that demonstrate this um, in very simple ways, kind of things like what I just described to you. Um, and again, you're in vet school now. And so long-term is the goal. That's the only thing I care about. I don't care if you got, you know, you aced, you got hundred percent on the test tomorrow because you crammed. Good job. You can cram, but that's all going to be gone soon. And that doesn't help the, you know, the, the cow that you're trying to treat three years from now. Right. Um, and so that's one of the things I like about Virginia Tech, that it's pass fail, that it's not about, did I get an A or B is like, did I pass? Um, so it allows you to focus on trying to make those long-term connections. So that should be the goal as much as possible. And then also when your classes are cumulative, right, that will help. So if you've really studied, you might not do as well as some of your classmates who cram on the initial test, but on the final exam, you won't have to study as hard for that stuff that you've already got solidified in there right. because it's, it's there. It's, it's going to be a lot easier the next time around or months from now, or weeks from now, years from now. Um, so cramming works for a very short period of time. It does not work for a long time. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. You have to cram repeatedly over years, right? So, you know, do you know what your home phone number was when you were a kid growing up? Yes. Yeah, I know mine too. <laughs> and mine's been longer. It's been a lot longer than yours has. And I still know that. I can still recite 9250557, Right. Wow. Nine two five. Yeah, that's right. It was a long time ago. I was not going to tell you. Yeah, it's not my phone. It hasn't been my phone number for twenty five years. Oh, but I can recite that. No, I can tell you my address when I was growing. I can tell you all mm -hmm. that stuff, and that that repetition and it was spaced out over time. So I learned it, and then it was spaced out. So that's in my permanent long term memory. Permanent long term memory. And if I'd forgotten it for a little bit, and somebody remind, boom, it'd be right back there again. It wouldn't take long for me to remember that mm -hmm. um, because it's in there. And as far as we know, long term memory, as best we can tell, is pretty permanent. It can fade. You can forget bits and pieces, but it's so much quicker to recall it. Um, you know, if it's in the long term memory. This is also why um, you know people say you. Um, once you learn how to ride a bike, you never forget. Yeah. It's not entirely true. You don't you don't remember it. You're not going to be as a, a good bike rider. Like if it's been 15 years since you rode a bike, you're going to be a little wobbly at first, but you can do it. Right. And then after like a couple, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you're like, all right, I'm back into this. <laughs> um, because you, if you learned it really, really well. And so what we're trying to get you to the point where you're like, vet school is like riding a bike. Where if I haven't done this for three years, I might be like, I'm rusty on this, right. um, but it's a lot quicker for me to pull it back. So I want those things to get into your long-term memory and retrieval practice or testing yourself is the way to do it. So can you create flashcards that have questions on them? Better yet, find a buddy. You're going to write flashcards with questions. They're going to write flashcards with questions and then y'all going to share. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So- I have two questions. Uh -huh. um, the first one is, of course, coming into vet school, we are told we are all in this together. Right. Completely understand. Uh -huh. um, going towards studying, towards studying, you uh -huh. have people third, fourth years, mm -hmm. I study individually. I tried a group, wasn't for me. Okay. You have some that's like, I study individually, might meet up with a group once mm -hmm. a week. Mm -hmm. Sounds good to me. I love that. Mm-hmm. Then you got some who study all the time. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of had a, some experience with all three. Uh -huh. um, but do you have any advice on how to 
move forward potentially asking a colleague yeah. or yes. how do you even cross that boundary where yeah. you're like hey so yeah do you want to be my study buddy yeah yeah <laughs> do you want to go to prom yeah. like <laughs> it feels very intense right yes i do um so i want to come back to you, but what was your second question the second question is so um i wholeheartedly agree long-term memory yep. is the best thing i mean we're going to be treating people's yep family members yep. in the future. And yep. so that's super important. Or their livelihood or yeah. yeah, like it's important. Yeah. Um, but I will say I am slightly guilty for having so much anxiety about passing the exam yeah. that I forget that me actually understanding it is the most important thing. And I think yeah. that's a lot of us. It's like, yeah. Oh my God, Tuesday's the exam. Yeah. I have to pass this, yeah. but it's just like, how, like how do you that's handle normal. that like, that's normal what happens when the exam's tomorrow and you're like i feel then you're gonna cram and that's okay and you shouldn't feel guilty about that right right um hopefully if you know ideally what you would be doing is everything leading up to the night before when you start to kind of have that little like i don't know if anything if you've been doing the retrieval practice at that point that cramming at the end might actually be even more effective right because okay. now you've you've already built some of those long-term connections and now you're strengthening those with the repetition but the cramming could be and we'll, then we'll talk about how do you find a study mm -hmm. buddy or a group the cramming could be doing retrieval practice over and over and over again. So this is this is the system that I learned by trial and error. Again, this is where I get sort of frustrated. It took me a long time and it turns out people already knew this. But so when I was in vet school, I remember very clearly uh, my very first anatomy exam, not going the way I wanted it to and definitely not going the way previous exams in my life had gone and been like, I didn't fail it, but I definitely didn't perform up to what I was my standard. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to, we had our anatomy groups as well, but we didn't study together at that time. But I was talking to one of my anatomy partners who had performed pretty well. And I was like, okay, tell me what you're doing. Right. <laughs> you know, which is what we all do. Like, okay, you figure something out. And so she was making flashcards. And I was like, God, it's not really a thing that's ever worked for me, but I got to try something different. So over the course of about four years, um, there was a group of us and we ended up, and it's funny when I look back, I'm like, yeah, we were doing a lot of the right things. So we all had our different strengths that we brought to the group. And one of, um, one of my, you know, study group partners, um, would every day after lecture, she would write, um, flashcards mm -hmm. that with, they were questions though. They, you know, she had, you know, probably just through trial and error figured that that worked for her. And then we had another group member who also wrote flashcards. So different questions. And that was, that was good. And, um, and what we would do is we would use her flashcards and we would quiz each other like, okay, okay read the, and until we all felt pretty good with that. And then when it got close to exam time, I would write like full practice exams. So that was my contribution to the group. So I would like try to write like multiple choice questions, mostly multiple choice, which are really hard to write good questions. And they would tell me when I wrote bad questions because <laughs> a lot of times they were, but I would write a practice exam. I would try to write a whole, like the exam. And I'm like, what are they going to ask us? I was like, yeah. that was my goal was to like have it be like, that question was on Bobby's exam. Like that was my goal. Yep. And, and then we would take the exam. I'm obviously I wrote the exam. So that was, but uh, they would all take the exam and then we would talk about it. Um, Cause I'd be like, oh, this was what I meant. Well, like, well, that's wrong. But we were discussing. It, right? right. So even if I wrote a bad question and they were like, well, I thought it was this and well, I meant it to be this, but then we would have a conversation about why they thought it was this and we, why we thought it was. So we were doing all that. So there was a lot of retrieval practice happening in our group because there was that repetition from the flashcards. Mm -hmm. So like my friend and I would, we go walking around, I was at Michigan state and I can just remember some days like the weather's nice. We're just walking around campus, walking by, there was the, the dairy with the cows. We're walking by looking at the cows <laughs> and just walking. So we're exercising, which was cool. And we're reading her, the flashcards back and forth to each other, quizzing each other. 
Um, and then sometimes we'd get together in a bigger group and we would do the same kind of thing. And then, like I said, I would write the practice exams. We'd all take those and then discuss them. And all of that together, I think, was helping all of us. Okay. So, um, and then I that flashcard system is what I ended up using later in life. So when I went on and do my, to do my residency and then I had to take the biggest exam of my whole life, I didn't have a study buddy because it was just, I didn't have anybody else who was taking that exam with me. Right. Um, cause I was the only resident at that year that was taking the exam of people that I knew. So I was studying by myself. I had a whole like Rolodex of flashcards. Holy I mean, it was a lot holy. of stuff and, but I was writing questions and I would group them by topics. And um, so I would go through them. I would go through them. And then what I would do over time is when I felt like I had a question, like I know this one, I would, I don't remember how I marked it, but I indicated somehow that I knew that one and I would um, leave the ones that I was still kind of iffy on. Mm -hmm. And I was very harsh on myself. Like if I wasn't like, I know this, um, then I would, I would like, I need to keep checking that. So over time, as I would do my flashcards, that stack would get smaller and smaller in the number of questions when they had time. Um, cause I moved back in with my parents for a few months while mm -hmm. I was studying cause I didn't have a job yet. And it was, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so they would sometimes read the questions to me, which was even better. Um, even though they struggled with some of the pronunciations, yes. but, but it was still helpful. And, and it was, you know, we'd go for a walk, same kind of thing that I was going back to. We'd go for a walk and they would quiz me or would be driving. And one of them would be driving and the other ones reading me flashcards. And it was just kind of fun. Um, and so I would go through that. And so then when I'm like, I've got this stuff down, then when it got closer to the final exam, I brought all of the flashcards back to say like, did I real, do I still have that? So I, I went through that kind of repetition. Now that was a longer chunk of time for a big exam, but those kinds of things can help. So I did the question and answer thing. And if I didn't get the question right, I was like, boom, mark that. I got to keep doing it because I still don't know. But what I had developed throughout vet school and then I continued on during my residency was a system for retrieval practice. I didn't know that's what it was called at the time, um, but that worked so much better than rewriting notes or high, like I'm not a highlighter. Um, I know some yeah. people, they get the color coding and things <laughs> like that, but it doesn't do anything. It's too passive. You have to then take that information. Now, if you highlight, but then later you take that and you say, I'm going to paraphrase this in my own words and translate that, that's a thing you can do. Or say you take a concept that you're struggling with. Okay, now you have to explain that uh, to your mom. Uh, and unless your mom is like, a, you know, a physician or a physiologist or a veterinarian, that might not work. But explain it to somebody who doesn't understand this in a way that they could understand. So you're going to have to translate this from doctor words and making it and turn it into something that would make sense to the average person. That requires more effort on your part. Okay. Um, so and, and those are some of the things that can help if you have a partner. So my suggestion, getting back to your original question, is how do you approach this? So what I would suggest is because everybody, you know, you don't just want to be like, hey, I want to leech off of other people's study habits or what other what often happens in study groups. Why I like I think a lot of people don't do it is everybody gets together and then studies individually while sitting next to other. Exactly. Chubby. That's not super helpful. Exactly. But if you do something like this, you say, hey, what if I wrote questions for this lecture? You wrote questions for that or this cluster of lectures. You wrote questions for these, or if we have time, we both write all the questions, then we're going to get together and exchange each other's questions. I'm going to quiz you on yours. You quiz me on mine and we'll, we'll share. Now you've got two sets of questions. So they're going to ask some questions on things you didn't think to write a question about vice versa. You're going to have questions that you both write. Cool. That's probably really important. Yeah. And now you've done some work on your own and you've come to the table. You're like, here, I'm bringing something worthwhile and I'm going to share that with you. They're bringing something worthwhile that they're going to share with you. You both benefit from it because now you have twice the number of questions that you can work together on. 
or you come up with something else. Like, again, I used to write full practice, like, but how are you guys each bringing something? So you're working some individually Mm -hmm. and then you come together. So you're actually doing something productive, not just talking to one another. So yeah, I mentioned, okay. So I kind of did the, let me write practice questions. And I do agree. It's hard coming up with answers that is not the right answer. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a multiple choice question. So yeah. with that retrieval process, mm-hmm. for instance, with index cards, be exchange, like the exchange yeah. of questions. So that's an option. Yes. And I love that. And yes. I've never. And they don't have to that. be multiple choice questions. Short answers, even better. Right. Even better. Because they're easier to write those type of questions. I've never. And now you've that. got a stack and they've got a stack and then you guys exchange. Right. And maybe that's all you do. And then maybe you come together and say, Hey, I didn't understand this. And now you have a, you have something to springboard the discussion off of, but you've both contributed something or three or four people or something like that. But it's not like, Oh, here are my notes. I don't want to read your notes that. So you both have written a question, which took some extra thought. That is study time. Number one, just writing a question instead of just copying your notes, study time. Number one, you then reviewed your own questions. Study time. Number two, you reviewed somebody else's questions. Study time. Number three, you discussed the things that were confusing. Study number four, all that with just writing flashcards. I've never in my I feel like I've been in, I mean, I know school my whole life, um, yeah. but I've never thought about doing that. So my mm-hmm. initial approach was like, Hey, hey shall we drink coffee near each other? Right. right. Yeah. And th- sometimes people just want that social aspect, True. but this is way more productive. And now you've got something to offer. Um, and then they do too. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Yeah. So now what you have to do is you have to convince your classmates to listen to this. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and then maybe your whole class goes, Oh, we can all, and, and, Again, I feel confident this would work for just about everybody. But if somebody else has figured something that is working for them and they don't want to do that, that's fine. Right. But, and I think from the amount of time you put in to writing flashcards versus what you get out, I think this is really worthwhile. This is really worthwhile. Yeah. So you're taking notes during class. And at that point, you can be circling things. You're like, I want to write a question about this. Mm-hmm. You can During class, you can already be thinking ahead like, ooh, that's a question. I want to write a question about that. Or right. that's a topic that seems like it's really important. I need to make sure we have good questions about that. And again, different people in class might highlight other things. And that's good. That's yeah. good, right? Um, but now you can focus on um, prioritizing. Okay, what are the most important concepts? And I need to write questions on those things. Um, yeah. And I will say that one benefit of second year is that things have and may again maybe it takes until after the first exam for me to Mm -hmm. prove this but things have become a little bit more obvious on the big picture yeah so uh for instance dr lamers will mention you know she talked about a patient with dcm Mm -hmm. granted and you know we haven't hit that disease it's more so the anatomy and fist but her just mentioning that about, uh-huh. you know, the DCM patient and then talking about the cardiac output, the why the physiology is important. All of yeah. that circles back to like, oh, so when Dr. Huckle comes in with the physiology, yeah. I'm able to pull from Dr. Yeah. Lammers and like, oh, those connections you're making. Oh, that's strengthening your long term memory, too. Yeah. So those connections are huge. I mean, that is that's like the holy grail of learning is when you can apply something from this situation over here to another situation over here. Yeah. That's called transfer. <laughs> Since we're doing our vocabulary Jeez, of all these things. Let me get a piece of paper. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, on, it's being recorded for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when you can transfer knowledge from one um, situation and apply it to another one, that's amazing. And there's near transfer where the things are fairly similar and then far transfer where this is where people get innovative. They're like, I wonder if this thing that we do, you know, to, um, 
you know, to do water treatment for blah, blah, blah would apply to treat this disease over here. Mm. You know what I mean? Like people can right. get really creative on things where you're like, how did you come up with that? Or when you hear those random stories of, you know, somebody was sitting doing something completely and they had this idea about this. No, that's far transfer. Okay. And so the better you understand something, the more you can transfer information from one scenario to another. Um, and so like, this is something I like to do is help people build those analogies, mm -hmm. right? Um, so like when I'm talking about physiology and I'm talking about like blood pressure and, and mm -hmm. different things, when you talk about vasodilation and vasoconstriction, I'm like, you already know this principle because you've played with a garden hose at some point in your yep. life. And you understand that if I cover my thumb, I put my thumb over the end of the garden hose, less water comes out, but it goes a lot further away, right? Okay. Because so it's lower flow, but higher pressure yep. it's coming out because I've narrowed that. The same thing happens in your blood vessels. If you vasoconstrict, the pressure goes up, the flow goes down, but the pressure goes up. So if you want to increase blood pressure, that your body will vasoconstrict and pressure goes up. So again, those are concepts yeah. that you already know and, and, and you start to strengthen those connections if you can apply knowledge from one situation to a different one. Um, so, but ultimately it comes down to that pulling it back from my long-term memory, mm -hmm. right? And, and I'm gonna do that because my brain, like any other muscle, if you don't, it, I know it's not a muscle, but like if you don't use your muscles, they will atrophy. If your brain has a lot going on and if you don't use information, it's gonna be like, why do I remember that? I'm not gonna bother remembering something, right? right? If I say 37, 12, nine, you're gonna be like, your brain's like, there's no reason for me to remember that. But if I keep saying it and you go, oh, 37, 12, I, 37, there's something about that. Eventually your brain's like, I guess this is important. We should probably <laughs> remember that. And then later for some reason you're thinking 37, 12, nine and you know, but you're, you have to tell your brain what's important. And if you start using it and say, brain, well, you need to remember that thing from the other day. And it's like, I didn't think we did. It's like, we do. And yeah. so try to help me. And then it's like, okay, I guess I will dig a deeper little, little path there. Right. Um, I will try to make sure that's easier next time. Like your brain wants to do well, right? It wants yeah. to impress you. And so <laughs> when you ask it for something and it's like, crap, I wasn't ready. All right, let's file that away. Cause next time when she asks, we want to be ready with that answer. I, I'm just kind of making this stuff up now. I like to anthropomorphize organs. No, it's, it's fine. I, I do and it helps me. I mean, jugular, like the jugular pulse, um, mm -hmm. you know, initially it's, it's funny when, you know, clinicians or they ask us questions like, how many of you guys, um, you know, how many of you have taken a CRT? Mm -hmm. Do you know the importance of it? Do you know what yeah. cyanosis is and all yeah. this other stuff? And we're like, or cyanotic. I'm like, no, I just know to press my finger against it, you know? So yeah. it's just crazy of like being able now to like, you, you know, make apply those connections, it apply it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel really good about it. I think, I guess, you know, the last question that I have for you is, have you ever experienced, I'm sitting here telling you, I'm making these connections. I'm yeah. sitting here telling you, I'm making my flashcards. I'm yeah. studying every day. I'm able to talk to clinicians and my peers and and have conversations with them about the material yeah but this little voice in the back mm. of my head's like you don't know this stuff oh, yeah. but it's like and I and of course that's a lot of willpower and overcoming but it's just <laughs> like you know what can I utilize should I utilize being able to talk about these concepts for reassurance like hey yeah Kia, you're you're yeah. getting it you're making these mm -hmm. connections or should I use that little voice as Maybe I'm missing something. I mean, that's a good question. Um, you know, th that's a tough, it's tough to, to know because that little voice can sometimes motivate you, right? Be like, right. crap, I don't know this well enough or I don't want to feel dumb and I don't want to look stupid in this. So sometimes that can be motivating. You have to decide, is this debilitating? Like, is this problematic? Uh, yeah. Or is this actually help motivate me? Like, okay, if I'm going to explain this to somebody, um, 
do I feel comfortable with that? Like, am I going to feel, you know, like good about it? And you can kind of gauge yourself. Like, okay, if I'm going to talk to my dog, all right, <laughs> I feel really confident in explaining this to my dog, yeah. right? It was like, okay, I'm going to explain it to my friend who's not in, in vet school. All right, I feel pretty comfortable because they're not going to know if I get it wrong anyway. So I'm going to feel pretty comfortable. Then I'm going to explain it to somebody in my class. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm feeling okay about that. All right, now I'm going to explain it to an upperclassman. Now I'm going to explain it to a faculty member, Ooh. right? Like- <laughs> As you get up that at that tree, you're going to be less and less confident. And that's normal. And that's okay. So you're trying to gauge, like, is that voice telling you you're not qualified to explain this to a dog? That's not helpful. Right. You're not qualified to explain it to a peer? Hmm, that's not helpful. You're not qualified to explain it to, a, you know, an upperclassman? Ah, you know, uh, that's maybe still not. You're not qualified to explain it to somebody who taught it to you? Okay, that maybe, like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so trying to decide, is this voice being completely unreasonable or is it trying to push you to do better? Okay. Now, the other thing, I'll share this story. So when I was in vet school, I was in my fourth year. Mm-hmm. So it was my final, I'm pretty sure it was my fourth year. I was on clinics. And we had, I was on my equine medicine rotation. So not my field, right. definitely not my strength, not my area of expertise. So I wasn't exactly feeling the most confident at this point. Um, when I was in small animal clinic, I was feeling more confident. So mm-hmm. I was not in my element. Okay. And so I had some case um, uh, in, you know, some horse that was in the hospital, whatever. And so it's lunchtime and somebody brought a group of students through. It was part of some club and they were like, okay, it's a muster like first year. So like, yeah. we're going to come do rounds um, uh, in, in the, you know, equine ward. And so I happened to be there and it was my case. And so whoever was leading this rounds was like, Hey, can you tell us about this case? Right. And so I'm like, sure. You know, I'm like frazzled, whatever. It's a bunch of first and second years or something like that. And so I start talking about the case. And in that, in that present, just in my case presentation, I had said something about like azotemia or something like that. And somebody, some confident student in the back was like raising their hand, like what's azotemia. And I, I just had a light bulb moment. And, um, so I was like, oh, okay. And I explained all that. But later I was like, dude, okay, I'm on equine medicine, which is not my strength, Mm -hmm. but I just spewed off this whole case presentation and a species I'm not comfortable with. I was throwing out words that they didn't know. And you know what? I didn't know what those were either. Three years ago, I've learned a new language. There is so much that I have learned that if I start talking to people who haven't been through this, they have no idea what I'm talking about. I know so much. Right so much more than I used to. And rather than focusing on what I don't know, um, and not that I shouldn't pay attention to that and try to always push myself to learn more, but maybe I should look back and give myself some credit for all the stuff I have actually learned. Absolutely. And so I, I recommend to people that every once in a while when you're feeling a little like me, go talk to somebody who's behind you, somebody who is fir- like behind on the process, either a first year or again, somebody who's not in the field and just, can I just present this case to you? And you know how many words you're gonna say that they have no idea? <laughs> Um, and you just realize, or even if they all understand the words, they're not necessarily going to put it all together while you can. And so just being able to like give yourself some credit now and again, you're like, dang, I really do know a lot. I know a lot more than the average person and I'm good at this, you know, like, so I think, um, that's always my advice when somebody's feeling anxious, because I think you go through a lot of ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster through that school. Right. And you're going to have periods where like, yeah, I know this stuff. And then 30 seconds later, you're going to turn around and be like, crap, there's something else I don't know. Exactly. And that's going to happen throughout your whole career. I was talking about this at a a talk at lunch today. And every time you think you've got things figured out, some case will come along and humble you. Yes. It will happen. It still happens to me to this day. 
I'll have weeks where I'm like, I'm real dumb this week. I don't feel like I know anything. And I know that's not true. Oh, I know no. I know a lot. I don't I don't mean that, but I'm just like, I don't have the answer to this. I can't figure this case out. I talked, I mean, and you talk to other people and like, we don't know either. I'm like, okay, whew, it's okay to be stupid if we're all stupid together. But, um, and then that, but that drives you, right? Okay, I got to research this. I'm going to look into this. So there, there's that balance between that little voice being like, you're an idiot. Be like, well, let me go see what I can learn. Okay. That's productive. Right. If that little voice is saying, you don't know this well enough yet, you say, all right, well, let me get better at it then. I'm going to keep trying. If that little voice is convincing you you're not good enough or that you're afraid to keep going, then that's not helpful because you can do this. Right. Like you've got this and you've come from You're like, you know, you can do this. So yeah. when the little voice is telling you you're not good enough, that's not OK. When it's saying, hey, you could do even better. It's just, it's a very subtle difference. But when the voice is telling you, you can be better, I think that's helpful. When the voice is telling you you're not good enough, that's not helpful. Agreed. So now you might get to decide how you interpret that, right? Yes. And so if you interpret it as, I can do a little bit better, I think that's potentially productive. Okay. Now, there's also, you got to be kind to yourself too. There's only so many hours in a day. There's only so much any one person can do. That's been very yeah. hard for me to wrap my it head is around. Hard. It is hard. And vet school is going to be hard. I don't mean to say like, you should be, you know, you shouldn't have a problem going to the spa on a regular basis or what, whatever. I don't know. I didn't ever do that either. You can't <laughs> afford that in vet school. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that you're going to have tons of free time and you should be able to do whatever you want and study for an hour a day and that should be, no. It's yeah. a lot. It is a lot. Um, but you also still have to find some balance, right? And then balance doesn't necessarily mean I spend the same amount of time doing this that I spend doing that. But how are you recharging? And you had said something about like, ch you're, you're studying in chunks of time, right? That's beautiful. And that's Pomodoro. the thing I... I, there, what is that? Pomodoro. What is that? It's a timer focus on the okay. internet. You can set a task. Cool. You can set how long you want to work. Yeah. That alarm will go off. You get a five minute break. Okay. You might get... You know, so you get to reward yourself. You worked hard for 15, correct. 20 minutes and now you get five minutes to just, yep, cool. Yep. I like that. Yeah. And then when the five minutes are up, you're back to work. That's, that's reasonable. Yeah. Those kinds of things are good. And I think the flashcards are actually very amenable to that because flashcards are quick. I got a question. I answer this 16 questions. When the timer goes off, all right, I take a break and you can pick right back up where you left off versus some types of studying. If you're like not in the groove, you know, uh, yeah. so it, it makes it a little bit harder. So it might be reasonable to do other types of things. The more different types of retrieval practice you can do is better. Um, so I would suggest for you is, you know, reach out to your classmates and say, hey, I have some ideas about how I want to try to study differently. Um, here's what I'm planning to contribute. Okay. Um, you know, is there anybody else who wants to work with me and we might be able to share? Again, not exchanging notes. I don't think exchanging notes is going to help anybody. But if somebody's willing to either, you know, write some questions on flashcards or maybe write practice exams or something, and then we can get together once in a while, like we can work independently and then meet up once in a while to share um, and then talk about where things are confusing, I think that could be valuable. And I think you might find there's a, a lot of people in class who, who might be up for that yeah like I said I've never heard mm -hmm. that before yeah I, I've heard like let's get together and yeah whiteboard each other like yeah you know, and I think that's what people do because nobody knows how because nobody's ever been taught how to study but if yeah. you come with a plan if somebody had come to me like formally with a plan and be like well that sounds like you got something figured out there that seems pretty good like I said we eventually my in my study group in school we eventually figured it out because one person had stumbled on you know the secret that this was working I was like well that's working for her let's try it it was working for me and yeah it turns out there's science behind why it was working okay. um and so that you don't have to wait to stumble across it. I'm telling you, here's a way you can do that. Now you can tweak this, right? You can figure out and you talk to your group and say, well, this isn't working quite as well. How do we do this? You know, and, 
And, and I'm happy to help you along the way as well. If you're like, what kinds of questions? Am I writing the right kinds of questions or what's working? Or, you know, how do you help us with these t- types of things? So if you get a group together and you want me to come and kind of give you some pointers, I'm happy to do that sometime too. Okay. Um, if you think that would be helpful. But, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, you do have to put in the work. There's no doubt about it. But if you can be more efficient so that the work you're putting in is paying dividends versus like, I just reread my notes. Yeah, you're not going to get as much out of that. And it's also not as fun. Understood. <laughs> Understood. So, yeah. So, you maybe you got a plan. I think I have a plan. Yeah? You feel like this, you're going to give this a shot? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely, I guess it's more so, I don't want to send out a mass email. Sure. And you can just pick and choose some people. <laughs> like, That's yeah, fair. That's okay. Of people, but, That's okay. Um, I definitely like that approach. Um, I'm like, I like when everyone brings something to the yeah. table. And, and like, I would, that would be important, right? It, yeah. that we don't have to you know, contribute in the exact same way, but right. everybody's got to contribute in some way. You can't just come and be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow your flashcards and oh, I forgot to do mine this week. Nope. That's not going <laughs> to work. Yeah. That's not, now you're still going to benefit. Right. Yeah. But, and not that you can't be somewhat altruistic, but like, no, you, you all, it, cause again, you're going to benefit even more if somebody, you get somebody else's perspective. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean you can't forgive somebody. They had a rough week and they're behind. Okay. But as, if it's happening all the time, then you say, Hey, this isn't working out anymore. But I think if everybody is, is doing their best and contributing in different ways, again, everybody benefits. The um, study group breakup is hard sometimes, but yeah. it has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Be done. Well, and I, I think the other thing I like to do is set those expectations up at the front, right? Say, fair. here's what we expect. Uh, like, let's just, let's all get together and decide what we think is fair. And if it's two people or three or four people, whatever you guys find works, what is everybody planning to contribute? And then we can touch base again in two, three, four weeks and say, is this working? Is this not? Um, do I feel like I'm contributing too much? Somebody else is not good. Let's, let's just talk about it. Let's be honest. But I think if you establish that, the, the expectations in this study group is that everybody's going to contribute in some way. Okay. Um, that might change over time because you might say, hey, I don't feel like this is working as well for me. Maybe I want to try this. Okay, the, if the group can be supportive, try that and let's see what happens, you know? Okay. But I think if you talk about it, spend a few minutes planning, I think it pays pays uh, pays back that time later. Okay. I'm definitely going to try and Then you're going to have to come back and let us know how it goes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we'll, it'll be a while. You got to give it a chance to kind of figure some things out. But I think I think it could work pretty well. Yeah. I wholeheartedly appreciate you. Of course. I know. every. I mean, everyone loves Dr. Connor. <sighs> not but, everyone. I know some people. Don't. <laughs> but uh, as far as like, I did not know you were getting your mask like masters or anything like that yeah that i'm a student too yeah. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm a part-time student so i'm not going through what y'all are going through mine's not not as nearly as hard as what you guys are doing but i did do that once too but <laughs> i appreciate it i'm definitely grateful for the conversation yeah. it added a new aspect and a new light and yeah I'm looking i think other forward. people will benefit so i really appreciate you being vulnerable to come and talk yeah. and be like hey i'm trying to figure this out because i think a lot of other people will potentially benefit from from the conversation and maybe give other people ideas yeah. and so if anybody out there is listening and uh they have you know other strategies that have worked for them you know feel free to reach out and happy to talk about other specific things um if you know if it comes down to you've got other ways that you do retrieval practice or if you come up with something you and your group come up with some other cool yeah share it the the I the flashcards is a specific strategy, but the retrieval practice, try to come up with things on your own. That's the key. Um, and, and it's pretty fun. And, and the science says it works. And, you know, my experience is like, yeah, the science is right about that. So at any rate, super excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. No Thank you all for listening. And uh, yeah, I really look forward to having you come back on talking about this or other stuff too. Yeah. Thanks, Gail. <laughs>